punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast. I'm Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined, as always, by Nesson.com's Logan Mullen. Logan, how are you? Mike, I'm fine. How are you? Uh, I am stupendous. It's uh, a pleasure to be back talking with you uh, about the Boston Bruins and the NHL hockey. Uh, we will do a little Tukarask talk today uh, later in the show. Um, kind of tie that into a lot of other stuff going on and, and regarding, uh, regarding the return uh, of hockey, the window in which they're going to try to do it, uh, and kind of look at some of the timelines. Uh, but as usual, we will start up top with uh, just a, a quick update on where things stand for the NHL. Uh, and let's be honest, if we had had this podcast, you and I, would, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but you and I will do our, our confidence scale. Uh, being somebody who is very much in the moment uh, to, a, uh, to a negative uh, amount sometimes, I would have been about a two or three uh, on Friday afternoon when it seemed like <laughs> The sky was falling across the entire professional sports world as it regards, uh, in regards to the coronavirus. Um, but uh, I guess in terms of the, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies, that kind of kicked it all off. Uh, the, uh, what was it? Uh, Nick Watney on the PGA Nick Tour Watney, tested yeah. positive. Uh, a few Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, tested positive. And from a hockey standpoint, uh, three Tampa Bay Lightning players tested positive for COVID-19, uh, some staffers as well. Uh, that led the Lightning to shut down their entire facility, uh, and which coincidentally reopened today, which is Wednesday uh, when we're doing this. Uh, the, the biggest name so far from the, the NHL world, in my opinion, I think, unless I'm forgetting somebody, is Austin Matthews. Who, it's the only one we know. Yeah, according to – It's the uh, only name that's been reported. Longtime uh, hockey writer Steve Simmons broke that news. We'll get into that a little bit more later uh, in terms of the ethics of this entire thing. But in the NHL, uh, I think this was on Friday as well, or maybe it was more recent. Um, I, it's kind of hard to. It was off. all. It was all Friday, I think. Okay, so the NHL announced that they've done more than 200 tests. I think was the uh, the verbiage that they used, uh, but they were very specific, saying 11 players had tested positive so far. We know that a Bruin has tested positive. We touched on that last week as well. Um, so there was a lot going on. And, you know, it seemed like in, a, in about a 12 to 24-hour window, everything came out and it looked pretty bleak. And I think also this is, you know, these developments come with the backdrop of, you know, not anything improving in this country, but actually getting worse. Uh, it feels like we're back to uh, where we were a month and a half, two months ago, and that's not a good thing, uh, at least as a country and the, as, as a whole. Certain pockets of the country, like ours, doing much better, but across the you know, numbers are up. So uh, what is your big takeaway from this entire thing? And uh, I want to get your opinion, and I'll give you mine. Well, my opinion, honestly, hasn't changed that much. I think that the league for a while has been aware that there were going to be positive tests, and the question in all this is, what number's too much? Where's the hard line? And I don't think they know what that answer is. I don't think anybody um, And I think you never want to downplay the significance of even one person testing positive. However, I think they might be looking at it through the lens of 
how much is it, how much of an outbreak or not is it? Like you look at the Bruins circumstance and as far as like my understanding is that it was a player showed up at the facility, tested positive and were turned away and told to go home. That, that prevented an outbreak. As far as we know, that is the only member of the Bruins organization that got it. And so, you know, the lightning thing, three people is a lot. I think they had two other staff members as well. Like, again, not trying to downplay the significance, but you look around, I think the Senators and the Avalanche, when they initially had positive tests, it was like one or two guys. So I think the league, maybe in a somewhat misplaced effort to show that they care, are looking at it through the lens of, well, as long as it's not wiping out an entire dressing room, then it, then guys are going to test positive. I mean, in a vacuum, regardless of what you think about what level of security the league should be taking to keep guys from getting the virus, they are intent on coming back. And if they are, unless guys literally have to live in one place and have it be within you know, controlled distance to practice facilities, guys are going to test positive. Like it's, it's going to happen. And so my opinion hasn't changed in the fact that like, you know, if they're going to do this, it sucks, but guys are going to test positive and the league just has to determine what their tolerance is for that. And maybe the players will be the ones that determine it for them and say, you know what, that's enough. Or maybe it takes one half of one team getting wiped out and railroading the schedule when they come back or whatever for that to happen. But I mean, they, the NHL isn't so ignorant enough to where they would have gone into this expecting zero positive tests. And I think once upon a time, that was probably the outward expectation. I don't know if it was for them, but it's just, it's not feasible at this point. And whether or not that should shut down the league or sports in general, I think is, judged on an individual basis um my opinion is let them bring it back but let players opt out like that's everyone's looking at this through their own lens I think there is a way to responsibly come back where you're not putting yourself at any more risk than just the average person living their life right now like you can staying inside and being responsible is not mutually exclusive right now, right? Like you can go out and still be responsible. And I think that they can do that with the NHL and with other sports and handle this as well as they can, but they just need to make sure they're not putting guys at increased risk. And I think right now they are making a concerted effort to do that, but just take as much precaution as you want. Guys will test positive. Yeah. I think, you know, it's a crutch or a habit at this point for us to be like, I don't want to downplay the significance of one test or whatever. And that is true. Like that is a big deal for that one person who tests positive, but uh, you know, the NHL wouldn't have made this effort to come back. Like the NHL has already told us that one test doesn't matter. And that's right. That sounds more callous than I mean it to, but like, we're all operating under the assumption of, you know, this, that this is going to happen and it's going to happen early. The the hope at least is that this is the time it happens when you're getting guys back into the building and you're testing them and you're preparing them to get back on the ice and you're preparing them to, to start training camp and ultimately preparing them to go to the host cities uh, there. You, you, I think you'd rather have the positive test now than in the Eastern conference finals. Right. Sure. So that's part of it. Um, 
and I think I just railroaded myself, uh, my own, <laughs> my second thought. Typical. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Um, but like, it's, you know, you just kind of have to take it as it comes and, and kind of do as much as you can to, to mitigate it to your point. Um, and, you know, if you're getting buy-in from the players too, I think that's, you know, we're starting to see it now with uh, the PGA Tour, you know, as we're talking, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, Jay Monahan's talking about, you know, their kind of uptick in, in positive tests over the last week. And you kind of just wonder how, and I mean, it's apples and oranges to an extent because they're traveling all over the country, but you have to wonder, you know, how selfless those golfers are being or how, you know, they, a lot of this is going to come down to the players or whatever, you know, the golf, et cetera, et cetera. Like, if you're committed to this, you should be able to, to get in and get out after this initial, uh, you know, phase. You know, if they're committed to, to, to keeping the bubble intact, you should be all right. You know, obviously there's going to be people, people crossing their paths, maybe more so than you or I, but like it's no difference than, or it's, it's, you know, it's similar at least to like going to the grocery store or whatever. Sure. And, you know, that's, it's not foolproof, but if you take the, you know, the appropriate precautions, you, you should be okay. Or at least limit your chances of getting sick. So if there's that buy-in, and I think the, the league has done a pretty good job of, you know, putting the players in a position where, you know, the players can, make their make the right choices then i think they're they should be able to pull this off yeah and but it's easy this... I, I just like my, my other point is gonna be sorry i don't mean to cut you off but like i myself have to retrain myself to be like just because there was three positive tests the other day, it doesn't mean this whole entire thing is going to be doomed i think a lot of other people are kind of have to reckon with that themselves and i think that's tougher for some people and that's where you're gonna get the outcry mm-hmm. well i think in, in this shouldn't come as much of a surprise, but I think this whole experience lately of seeing this uptick in positive tests as more and more guys specifically within hockey return to their facilities. It just underscores that this ability for the NHL to pull off this restart is predicated on how often and thoroughly they're able to test. Mm -hmm. And Again, not a total surprise, but like this might implore teams and leagues to try and ramp up testing and their availability of testing. Yeah, Yeah, why not? Um, But I mean, that's literally how you prevent outbreaks is by detecting it as soon as possible and whisking those guys away. So I think if there was ever going to be a wake-up call, I do think it should be now if there's ever a quote-unquote good time for it. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think we're, for better or worse, going to find out what the NHL's palate is in terms of what they can withstand in terms of positive. That is, that is really the biggest question for all and of these it's, too. Yeah, and it's a little freaky, you know, in effect letting Gary Bettman play God here. Um, and that's not even like a knock at Gary Bettman. Yeah. That's just like a knock at the situation or like the reality of the situation. But like, if – I, I get the financial ramifications. I get all the, you know, exterior factors that are prompting sports to come back. But, I mean, th- this pandemic's still around. Like, this is still real. And we don't know the long-term effects of it either. You know, we're still figuring that out. You know, you see every now and again someone floating that this could cause long-term respiratory damage and impact people's careers. Like, we, we just don't know what it's going to be like. But, you know, Players have every right – they're all adults, right? They have every right to work from an abundance of information. Exactly. Have all the testing that they need. 
and make an educated decision for themselves and in if in turn their families if applicable and go from there um but you know it, it seems to me like a lot of guys aren't too put off by stuff happening to not show up. I think it is kind of shaking some trees for a few people, but I, I don't think unless, I mean, it would have to be, I think at this point, a pretty huge spike for guys to be completely put off by it. Yeah. I respect the hell out of players who are, if there are any who say, I don't want to do it. Sure. Uh, I also respect the hell out of guys who are going to do it. Like, I think it's, you know, you, you got to put your, uh, eh, I'll use a different, uh, <laughs> you, you got to push your chips into the table one way or another. I think that's, you know, it's a tough decision. I'm glad I'm not one of the ones making that decision. So, uh, and every player is going to be different. And that's the other thing too, is we don't know, you know, a lot of these guys situations away from the rink or the court or the field or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, you're dealing with different family issues and things like that. So, yeah, you um, won't catch me bagging on anybody for no, getting no, out of this. No, yeah, no. Even like Davis Bertons in the NBA, like yeah, you know, Avery Bradley awesome. too. Like those yeah, guys, yeah, right. the, the Trevor Ariza situation too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what's your uh, what's your number this week? What's your confidence level one to ten? I think I've been at a nine. I'll say an eight just because of the increase of positive tests, but I don't, I really don't think of the broad scheme of things. I bet they look at that number of 11 out of 200 plus and they're like, you know what? Fine. Yeah. Like, I think it would have to take a, a really, really large rate. What, well over, you know, I don't know what, what is that? 5% positive tests. Yeah. I think like it would take a number way greater than that. I think for them to have any sort of pause about pulling the plug on this thing. Yeah. I'm at like a six and a half, seven, I guess uh for now but like the big question is going to come and this kind of leads us into our next uh topic like when they all get together um and that's because that's where you're going to have the biggest uh you know possibility for an outbreak and that's good if there's going to be one thing that shuts this whole whole thing down it's an entire team or two-thirds of a team testing positive and the team can't play anymore and that's now we're done because you can't you just can't finish uh So that brings us to the next uh, topic. New York uh, Post, Larry Brooks, reported last week, I think it was, late it was last Saturday. Saturday, sure. Uh, pretty comprehensive report. I think he got uh, a copy. He, of the, yeah, he had to have been in on that call. Yeah, right, yeah. So he's got, uh, according to him, according to Larry Brooks, training camp begins July 10th. I think we already knew that. Right. Uh, and then teams will travel to their uh, location on the 23rd or the 24th. Uh, they'll have one game before the tournament. We all kind of know that. I think this is the big thing, the qualifying rounds, which would be the round robin for a team like the Bruins, the top four seeds, and then like the play-in rounds for uh, the five through 12 or whatever it is. Uh, those will start July 30th. So, Which was camp- earlier than I thought it would be. Right. So like that's the thing is training camp begins the 10th. So you're getting two weeks of training camp before you go to Vegas or Vancouver, wherever you're going. And then, so you're there after two weeks, you have a exhibition game. I don't know how much practice times there's going to be once you get to the hub city. I would imagine a lot of it's familiar, familiarizing yourself with the entire environment and stuff. And you've got, there's a day in there for that exhibition game. So, you know, we're looking at two weeks of, real actual practices before things get going for real yeah that really shocked me I thought we weren't going to get games until like mid-August 
my guess is the league is probably looking at phase two and saying, well, you all had the option to ramp up your skating. So your training camp should just be getting back on the same wavelength. Now the major flaw in that argument is the amount of time that we've missed now is equivalent to an offseason, a regular offseason for portions of the league. And you still give them um, typically a roughly month-long training camp. I, I think, and I've been saying this since March, if you don't give them a long enough training camp, you're positioning guys, particularly older guys, to get hurt. And the same thing with guys testing positive for the coronavirus. Like, the league's going to have to figure out if they're okay with the fact that there will probably be guys getting hurt because they are not in the proper shape or didn't have the proper ramp-up period because of this. I mean, unless a guy went to Europe, he did not have access to ice until was it, 20 or 15 days ago, two weeks yeah. ago, two and a half yeah, weeks ago. Like first, second week of June. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a month ago or so, Zidane Char was talking about how a typical offseason, you know, even in the depths of the offseason, when he's ramping up, he's skating like a few times a week. And guys went three months without skating. Like, three to four weeks isn't going to do a damn thing for most people. Like, it, it'll help get acclimated or whatever, but it's just – it's a totally different animal. So, I get from the training camp perspective that's like, okay, most teams should just need two weeks to, like, get back on the same wavelength in terms of, like, chemistry and schemes and whatnot. But I think from a getting in shape perspective, I mean, we're looking at less than two months between a round-robin tournament slash a playoff series and the time that guys actually started skating for the very first time in literal months. This sucks for a team like the Penguins. Like, yeah. Because, you know, at least for the Bruins, and we talked about this last week with Cassidy saying, and this is where I guess, the, you know, the advantage of not giving a damn for lack of, you know, which is oversimplifying it a little bit mm-hmm. about those round robin games so that you can just use those basically as practice. Whereas like a team like Pittsburgh now playing in those, you know, the playing round you know, two weeks, three weeks, excuse me, after training camp begins, you're starting uh, what's, you know, essentially a, a Stanley Cup playoff round against uh, an elite goalie. Like, right. Good luck. Like, yeah, that's the, league, so, the, you know, the league's going to have to kind of getting screwed. Yeah, the league's going to have to make their peace with the fact that we're probably going to get some weird results to these playoff matchups. And pretty bad hockey, too, probably. And so probably, yeah, maybe the later rounds will be better. Yeah. But, yeah, early on, I can see there being some just raunchy hockey. It's an interesting adjective for a hockey. Uh, yeah, well, you know, that's – you get what I'm saying. Like, is this going to be, you know – uh, yeah, other than training camp rosters, 30 skaters, unlimited goalies, tournament rosters, 28 skaters, unlimited goalies, testing every other day for anyone entering the facility, according to Larry Brooks. So uh, one thing you want to talk about was the Austin Matthews thing. I think this is an interesting thing as we get into the bubble. Uh, Matthews tested positive. He's been working out in Arizona, which is uh, – he's got a house out there. Uh, coincidentally, working out with Freddie Anderson. Yeah, I think Freddie Anderson was living with him. Living with him. Yeah. Matthews, according to Steve Simmons, tested positive. Anderson tested negative, which is an interesting case study all on its own. But uh, a source, you know, told Simmons there's no blueprint for this. This is not an ankle injury. Uh, so that's just another thing to kind of consider. So this is a weird, uncharted territory. 
as is the kind of the reporting of this, not necessarily as it pertains to the media, but just what kind of information gets out, what the league is willing to do. You know, I going back to the PGA Tour during their press conference today uh, on Wednesday, they specifically announced everybody who had tested positive uh, and everybody who was withdrawing out of fears of testing positive or just not even wanting to play this week. So, yeah, uh, what are you? You know, you kind of you brought this up to me. Kind of wanted to, to talk about this real quick. What are your thoughts on? on how this whole thing should play out. Do you think there's a re overstepping boundaries? It is a weird yeah. thing. Like, it's, it's very weird here. And it's like, it's clear that they have it, but you, you're technically not supposed to report on that. Unless... Yeah. Well, so I could be wrong. My understanding is that it's not technically a HIPAA violation unless it's the medical provider themselves going Correct. public with it. Which is how the reporter in the Ezekiel Elliott thing, I think, got around it. Is he got it from somebody else. Yeah, he got it from Ezekiel Elliott's agent. I think, Elliott, Steve I think said, Elliott came out and denied that, though. So Yeah, well, he sent out that tweet that said, like, HIPAA question mark or whatever. Yeah. But, like, his agent had confirmed it, which is part of the reason I think some of the national guys ran with that. And, like, Steve Simmons tried to use that to support his logic for reporting Matthews' name. But, like, that's kind of a false equivalency because it's not like it was confirmed by anybody on the record that would actually be in the know. Um, but it does – look, I, like most everyone else, have gripes about Steve Simmons. Um, and – but I do think that if somebody else reported this – I'm sure there's some people out there. We wouldn't be looking at it the same way. Like Steve Simmons, just like Darren Rovell is the type of person that people just love dunking on. And that's not without, you know, merit. The guys spent plenty of time being a total dink and burned way too many bridges. But the reality is, is I think there are a lot of reporters out there who were tearing into Steve Simmons that probably would have done the same thing. I mean, I won't lie. I wrote the story about it from us. When I found that news out, I was like, well, his name's out there. Like, and the thing is, is that it raises the question of like, it's going to, if the, again, if the league's going to bring stuff back, they have to realize that things are going to be different. If this happened during the season, during the return, and all of a sudden Austin Matthews is missing for the entire first round, and they just say an upper body injury, like people are going to know. It, it, like people aren't idiots. So the league's going to have to realize that if they're coming back during a pandemic and guys are coming down with it, like I wouldn't, I, I'd stop short of saying there's an obligation for them to say who it is. Maybe it's, you know, maybe the coach will get a green but, light to say who it is. But, but the there same kind thing. of is though, if these guys are, they have to figure out a way because like, if, what if you're walking through whatever Vegas hotel you're in and you, yeah. You know, you stop at the ice machine and you have a conversation with Austin Matthews a day before he tests positive or something. Like, yeah, I mean, right. Well, from right from a pure contact tracing standpoint, yeah. like there is actually. I mean, I guess you can keep that private, but now you're you know expanding the net of people who know, and it might get out anyway. So it might be best just to be transparent with it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the I don't know if the league has a plan in place for this, but they've kind of got to figure one out more so when the games start and like i i won't bitch about it too much if they say that you know what we're just gonna say there have been x positive tests but at the same time people are gonna read between the yeah. lines like yeah. to use an example say you know johnny third line center playing for whatever team disappears and nobody knows why and then the league releases their weekly report and it says only one player tested positive people are gonna put it together so 
it, there needs to be something behind that. I, I don't know if I wholly agree with what Steve Simmons did, but I'm not going to nail the guy to the cross for that. Like some people are, because it's a question that needs to be answered. Um, and again, I, I understand seeing it through the lens of like, Steve Simmons knew exactly what he was doing when he reported that he knew that people were going to freak out because it was Austin Matthews and it was a big name. And it was literally, I think the first NHL player that we know yeah. by name to have gotten it. Um, but I don't know. He, he's got his own issues. I think that more than anything just kind of started a conversation. Um, but, but I see the merits. I understand why people are a little put off by it. But at the same time, sources shouldn't be leaking guys' health information like that if they don't want it getting out. So at a certain point, you're kind of shooting the messenger, whereas the real issue is that somebody within the know in the Maple Leafs said, hey, Steve Simmons, Austin Matthews has coronavirus. And knowing probably that, like, you know who you're talking to, he was probably going to run with it. Yeah. 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 That's uh, unless it came from Matthews himself, but that's uh, neither here nor there. Um, or Anderson. Anyway, uh, let's do a real quick Bruins thing. Considering this is an Essen Bruins podcast, uh, Tuka Rask was on with the Bruins. I guess uh, there was yeah, it looked uh, like a town hall, right? It was, no, I think it was like they're doing a kid series this week or something. Uh, we're doing quick interviews, talking to Tuka Rask about. Uh, I guess the big thing that kind of latched on uh, a radio program in uh, this, this city latched on to was that Tuca came out and said he really hasn't skated yet at all. Uh, and he's been playing a lot of golf to stay in shape, um, which is interesting. Uh, I wish that was a surefire way to really stay in shape. Cause then I would be the fittest man in the world. Yeah, You'd be an iron man. Um, are you concerned about this at, at all? Or how, what's your takeaway on, on Tuka Raska's uh, lack of activity? Um, I, I wouldn't say overly concerned. He, like, he probably knows better than we do. Bingo. Right? Yeah. Like, he, he said a while ago, the last time he did like a media conference call, which I think was at some point in May, maybe he said something to the effect of like, I won't even do like reflex, like goalie type stuff until I get back on the ice. Fine like go ahead he said I think he said in that same interview that he was planning on trying to get back onto the ice like this week so he'll have a couple week lead up time but like I don't know I, I don't freaking know like yeah how much time he needs as long as he's staying in decent enough shape I was gonna say I hope he at least is going for a couple runs here and there and yeah, I, I think he is I think he said that he's running okay so that's something I mean, uh, I, I also have a very hard time believe like believing that he wouldn't. Yeah, I also like we just there's no blueprint for this, so I don't know. Maybe he's actually figured this out. Maybe you know, I that's uh, this is maybe he's onto something here. I don't know. Like it's or maybe he knows that it just takes him a week to to regain him. You know his uh, his form, et cetera, et cetera. I was just looking up, you know, the Bruins in his first 17 starts this year went 13-2-2. Two, and two. They had a 9.33 save percentage with a couple of shutouts in there. So he was ready to go when they, you know, when the puck dropped uh, on this season. So I imagine yeah. he's probably taking a similar approach here. And he kind I, of handled him too. So. I'd honestly be more curious to see what Yarrow Halak's plan is. Yeah. And, like, compare that. Because if there's, like, a massive discrepancy between the two, that would be one thing. But, like, 
it's not like these guys go radio silent on their team either. Like they're checking in pretty regularly with like the team, uh, not medical, the team like exercise staff or however. Yeah. Yeah. The strength and conditioning coach. There it is. Um, and so like they haven't gone completely dark on those guys. Like they know what's going on. So I think if it was so problematic, again, I don't think it is, but in the event it was somebody would have, gotten in his face already from a distance and said something so I would not concern myself with that too much but Lord knows he's gonna play in like the exhibition game or the first round robin game and give up like seven goals um and everyone's gonna be like oh well this is because he didn't skate until yeah. you know June 28th but yeah no matter no matter what happens we're gonna there's gonna be overreactions all over the place that's kind of just the way it goes with Tuka but it's he's going to be among the bigger more interesting storylines in this entire run for the Bruins. And, you know, I think it's easy to forget, like this guy has a lot to prove after how things ended last year. Uh, it is interesting and nobody forgets about how good he was until game seven. And I think that's actually kind of fair just because of, you know, what they, uh, you know, how it ended and he's the goalie. He gets paid a lot of money. So, uh, you know, as always, Tukaras is going to be a, a pretty <laughs> Uh, polarizing figure yeah, a lightning rod for, for Bruins hockey as uh, as we get going again which is sooner than later at this point we are what three weeks uh two and a half weeks away from training camp kind of hard to yeah to, so. all right Logan that was fun that was fun we've yammered away for like three months now so it's another couple of weeks at this <laughs> point I, st- I still can't not to do cartwheels over ourselves but like I still can't believe we haven't missed a week since this stuff shut down. I yeah, we'll be put to the test next week uh, for yeah. as our country celebrates its its independence. Uh, That's true. Maybe uh, maybe off, but we'll see. Um, either way, we'll be back soon enough to talk about Bruins hockey and start to maybe really preview this thing uh, or to the best of our ability. Um, but until then, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back again soon. I'm Mike. That's Logan. This has been the Nesson Bruins podcast. See you later.